Hi everybody, this is your host Ben Klenner and welcome to The Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on The Probiotic Life. Hey, what's up everybody? I've got another great show for you today. So, first of all, thank you very much to the guys at musicgoals.ca for doing that music. Uh, Check them out, musicgoals.ca. And today, I'm sharing the interview that I did with Tim Kershaw. Tim is a local here in Perth. He is a professional chef. He is a fermentation artist. And he is also an urban farmer. So we talk a little bit about how he got into urban farming, a little bit about his philosophy, but we just generally have a a good sit-down chat where he invited me into his house. And um, yeah, it was great fun to see all the different projects he's got going on and uh, just have a a real chat. It was great. He shared with me some of his um, guava wine, which was delicious. And um, just chatted about fermentation, food, um, agriculture, and yeah, it was a great time had by all. And a little disclaimer, there are a few expletives in this one, but, um, you know, I like to keep it real and I want to be real with the guests. Um, So, yeah, just keep that in mind. Uh, if anyone has problems with that, you can let me know. But without further ado, here is the interview with Tim. I have Tim Kershaw here with me. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, hey Ben, how are you doing? Is that, is that how you say your name, Kershaw? Kershaw, yeah. yeah. And your last name? Is Klenner. Klenner. Yep, it's Very a good... German? German name, yeah. sausage name. <laughs> and how about you? Where's, what's your last name? Where's it from? Uh, oh, man. I'm not really quite sure. Very English. Very English, okay. very Irish. Awesome. I think. Very plain. Colonial. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm awesome. Deep colonial. So thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today. That's awesome. No worries. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my house. Yeah. It's I like nice. it. It's cool. So, yeah. so you just moved into this place? Just moved here. Um, I didn't actually show you, but the reason we moved is there's like a vacant block out the back. Um, so you got lots, like of, a, lots of land there. It's like 20 metres by 10 metres. Awesome. So all sand, yeah. obviously. But um, we came to look at this house and it was like, oh, what a cool house, but it hasn't got the farm space. I was like, I have to have farm space at my next house. Yeah. Which is hard for a rental, yep. right? Um, and then we were looking at this house and it was pretty cool. I was like, well, it doesn't have the space, so we can't do anything. And then I look over the back fence, and between all the houses here, there's a, like a 20 by 10 metre block, yeah. which is vacant. And uh, it turns out it was the owners, and they were like, yeah, you can farm it. That's so cool. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be the uh, sort of our third plot. So I've got three. I've got the Hilton Park Bowls Club. Great, It's a yeah. community project. Yeah. Um, 
one of my friends' backyards is my first urban farm, which I'm putting the fences in now. Oh, cool, yeah. And then probably in about six months after the kitchen, the kitchen's cranking and stuff, then that will be the third spot. Um, we're going to try and figure out how to turn, uh, you know, shitty sand. Can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> <laughs> shitty sand into uh, soil, right? Like, Yeah, great. If, you, if we can. It's been hard so far, hey? Yeah, so, you can do it. I mean, Perth is pretty much built on shitty sand. Yeah, it's got to be done, Yeah, right? And we were talking about it before the podcast. Uh, there's so much waste and being a chef, there's yeah. so much industry waste and there's also no soil, but they both sort of cure each other. So there's your answer, yep. right? There's so much is just getting thrown away or not used. And so I've been building soil terribly for like maybe a year now with this bowls club project and yeah it just sort of takes time and and most of it's food scraps you can get all those trace elements and stuff so you know the more i read about it i'm like okay um really if i break it down for myself i just need lots of food scraps to get all of those trace minerals that's awesome i mean there there is so much that's why i get so excited about talking about compost because it's <laughs> like you get all this stuff like 40 percent of the whole um food industry or, or all of the processes get wasted mm. you know and then you have all this stuff that's got great nutrient content in there it's just getting thrown away yeah hey i can take that off your hands for you yeah you can get paid for it now as well yeah um in nice places like Fremantle and stuff but you know i don't know about other councils yeah yeah but that's really kind of like where the passion came from being a chef and um seeing just a wasteful industry from a person who wasn't wasteful himself and then I was like well I don't want to be here anymore what can I do with my skills you know 10 years of um, high-end industry experience and what can I do to at least make some kind of change and what I chose to do was to uh, reduce waste in hospitality industry yeah great that's a that's a big um, area of waste isn't it yeah it's crazy so my family's like recycled um, their entire lives and we're pretty into it and I like the environment, you know. <laughs> I like the world. And uh, just one day in the kitchen and you see the amount of waste is more in one day in that kitchen than it is in my family's entire year. Wow. What's the real point of households? You know, even like water consumption and stuff. Like households have to cut down on water because we've got droughts and things, but industry just goes and just you know, reduces dust with gallons and gallons of yeah. water in the mining scene or something. Yeah, it's pretty nuts, isn't it? So, yeah. That's great. So you're solutions focused. You're, you're figuring out ways that you can really reduce waste. Yeah, that's my mandate for myself. Awesome. Just reduce waste in the hospitality industry, but yeah. like it kind of just spread very quickly. Cool. So, you know, it's yep. like multiple projects and, and then I ended up in fermentation at the end of it. Yeah. I never yeah. thought that I'd be like pickling beetroots and fermenting cabbage, man. Like I was a chef, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, we don't do that stuff. <laughs> we cook meat and we saute things and, yeah. and we braise stuff. We don't yeah. ferment things. And I was even reading some some good fine dining books and chefs really aren't into it yet. There's some that are into it. If you've seen Chef's Table on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen all of it, but yeah, there's, so there's, it's very interesting, yeah. Yeah, there's some dudes doing like dishes with fermentation and stuff on there and and they get it, but it's still taste orientated. Yeah. Or like, you yeah. know, like mouth feel and texture and 
and all of that kind of stuff. And none of it's really like um, beneficial. You know, what if there was a chef that was a fine dining chef that was like, I'm going to make a dish that's so beneficial for you, you're going to come out of here peaking. You know, like yeah. it just runs out the door. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't anyone doing that? You know, you pay $120 to walk out like lethargic and too much cream and cheese and olive oil. Yeah. That's, that's great. I think there is um, a movement of that starting to happen and especially with um, people being more aware of, you know, the microbiome and what microbes, what fermenting can do for you. Mm. Um, but again, it's like an, it's an old school thing. It's been around for, you know, forever. And it's like we had to come through this in the, in the new, um, you know, technology age, techn- technological age of, you know, I don't know, in, in <laughs> industry and then come back around to the old stuff, yeah. the old stuff again. So, so how, how did you uh, get into growing food? Like, so you were a chef first and then mm. you started, what was your first plot? Um, so my first plot was Hilton Park Bowling Club. Um, and how, is, how long ago was that? Um, I've probably been thinking, I've probably been with the club approaching them about it for two years. Oh, and cool, yeah. probably been there about a year and a half. And I've been nice. in Fremantle about three years. So coming from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and then travelling. I travelled for like six, seven years being a, a chef. Oh, cool. Yeah. Working around and out of England and stuff. But how I got to urban farming was kind of like, you know, I left Melbourne, uh, left the career, left the fine dining industry sort of out of this thing where I just came to my own realisation that I didn't want to be there anymore because it was so wasteful. Yeah. Because it wasn't helping yeah. and, like, you know, my, my own trajectory had changed and I'm into the environment and sustainability and I'd like to do something to help. I don't want to be a part of the problem. And then you see, like, you know, people in the fine dining industry, customers aren't connecting with their food. It's just more about being seen or about telling people that they had truffle risotto yeah. You know, and the chefs are all under stress and pressure and 15 hours a day and and we're kind of getting shellacked for our passion about food. You know, we're not getting paid for it and apprentices um, coming into the industry are kind of getting pushed around and, yeah. and waiters are eating it, <laughs> eating shit every day from customers and chefs. And, and I just got to this point where I was like, all right, I don't want to be here. Yeah. So yeah. what am I going to do with my skills, you know? Yeah. And uh, moved to Fremantle. Cool. Started reading books, started thinking about it, started thinking about compost um, and then got together this idea about urban farming, which I thought everyone knew about, which again has just happened 30 years ago or 60 years ago or 90 years ago, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. me and Megan, my sister who I do it with, talk to people about urban farming and they're just like, oh, what is it? You know, and it's like, well, it's just growing vegetables again really yeah yeah getting more people to grow veg so yeah that plot came up about a year and a half and it's a community project because um it's to do with the bowls club there's no like profit or business or anything into it and i just go around experimenting with gardening and then whatever produce i make i uh, give to the club or by donation oh that's great so that sounds like it gives you a bit of freedom as well to experiment rather than I have to meet these um, deadlines or meet these whatever um, financial constraints yeah. or whatever. Or even like production, you know, like yeah. I just failed for at least the last six months. 
you know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like been getting caught behind growing seasons or I don't know, Perth. So every lesson is like a three-month lesson. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if, if you're planning stuff too late or even this season was like uh, it didn't rain until this month at all. Yeah, yeah, that was so nuts. So I was kind of like, oh, and then soil. So I've, I'm not really putting any money into it. I don't have any money for it. Yeah. So I'm making soil from what I've got. Unfortunately, what I've got is a heap of green um, grass clippings, which just sends all of my um, soil, you know, terrible. Yeah. Just yeah. nitrogen rich and stuff. Oh, I would love to come down and have a look and see if there's any ways I can help. You know, um, I, I talked talk to you before about this Korean natural farming and mm-hmm. – um, it was, it was developed in uh, Korea, but it's uh, over the last 80 years, it's um, been developed and spread throughout most of Southeast Asia because it's uh, a low, um, low cost system of farming. Yeah. And you, you basically use the stuff that's in your environment already to, to start making these inputs. So, you know, the, um, the ferment that I, that I gave you, it's like, um, you ferment a fermented aloe, um, aloe vera, and then you know you can make uh, water soluble calcium. You just need eggshells or bones or something, mm-hmm. and you can make the uh, whiz- human bones. <laughs> well, you could if you have some <laughs> human bones. Sweet, it's in the area. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you got some extra bodies to compost, then. <laughs> there's a few around. It's <laughs> enough people. Um, That's s- cool. I'm all for that. And the uh, who was the other guy? I call him Fukua Cow. But um, uh, Masanobu Fukuoma, Fukuoka, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, another. I think he's one straw a, revolution. Yeah, yeah, natural farming again. Yeah, right. It sounded like he had some really nice soil, though. He's in like the yeah. mountains of Japan, so yeah, I'd like to see him do it in Perth. Well, you know what? I think um, Perth is one of the is one of the oldest um, and most degraded um, landscapes. Um, for in terms of soil and organic content, mm. and as a landscaper, uh, we always encourage people to add uh, clay um, and trace minerals. Mm. Um, I mean, you can you can go around adding compost teas, and some people advocate for like if you just use compost tea, then um, the the biology in the soil can pull out all of the minerals. But I'd say it's pretty tricky here in Perth. So we I use a, a um, uh, clay plus product that's got um, kaolin clay and trace minerals. Mm-hmm. But once you've got the clay in there, then that actually holds the water and then you can just keep adding organic matter and, yeah. and build it up. Yeah, so I kind of lean towards the long-term methods. Yeah. And uh, talking about like compost teas, I'm into compost tea, I'm into nettle tea. Awesome. By making yeah. my own seaweed, I'm like experimenting with all that. But really, from what I've read, that's just kind of like continuing it to grow, but not really affecting actual soil. Yeah, cool, you're getting more microbes and stuff, but it's much more long-term effective to have humus in the soil to be building yeah. compost. Well, they can they can definitely um, add humus, but um, only if there's organic matter to do that with. Mm. So yeah, you've got to get that organic matter in there. Yeah, I started out with this bowls club kind of like um, I had a heap of mushroom slash grass sludgy compost that yeah. was left over from like a previous gardener who had been there and that's how I started and things were growing in that. Yeah. And then I was kind of like I'm composting a um, 
um, a public a business in town. I do all of their compost. They're like a whole food store. Cool. Yeah. So I get at least like you know forty kilos of um, good organic waste every week. Yeah. And wow. I started like making compost with that, but I didn't want to buy straw. I didn't want to buy. Um, I'm getting like free horse manure, but I'm not getting like uh, sheep manure or chicken manure. It's like sometimes you start reading those books. It's like, oh, you just need this, this and this and that and two limes and one of this and five of those and it's it. It's perfect. You're done. Yeah. But it's that thing of like using what you've got. Using what you got for sure. Yeah. And so I started out with that kind of stuff and I got into this little permaculture technique which is like uh, that cardboard, you know, you're putting like layers of cardboard down and we're putting food scraps between Oh, yeah, like sheet mulching sort of thing. Yeah. And then um, thinking about like rototilling it, I'm going to do a little end of that kind of experiment by rototilling some of it as soon as this rain leaves. Yeah, cool. And then okay. throwing down grain and then trying to start some kind of like root system and yeah, fantastic. and then build off that. But I still don't – from what I've seen so far, it doesn't, doesn't do enough. Like I think long-term, 10 years, that would be great. But Yeah. So I started this sort of third thing um, in my new garden beds where we brought in a friend who – actually knows what he's doing and does a great job and we kind of did sort of a clay straw um two-year-old chicken manure mix nice into the sand yeah and like it's like a it's almost a garden bed base that we can build on now now i start making compost i can build it up great but i've yeah. actually also planted into it so I, I planted half of it as um with a cover crop awesome yep for winter and then the other half we've just done a mix of vegetables and cabbages and beans and broad beans and peas. Great. Yeah, all the yeah. stuff that will work well here in the wintertime. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I also notice while we're talking about soil and maybe I like it more than you. I'm, I'm into it but um, I stopped for summer. I was like, okay, I don't have any money. Summer's going to be really hot. Just get all the infrastructure done, put some reticulation in and some shade and different things. Yeah. And I stopped growing in the soil and it's been so hard to kind of like get that same soil started again. Like really? All okay. All the plants yep. are quite slow. Yeah. I think that's that kind of uh, that same, that microbial thing that refers back to the gut. So if you're doing like gut stuff and you kind of bleach the gut, it takes a long time to get those microbes back into the system. You're just right, slow yeah. building, slow building. Yep. I felt like that was the same with the soil. True, that would, yeah. And I think that's where compost teas or like the Korean natural farming inputs would help sort of like get that going again, get that Mm. sort of like, it's basically probiotics. Yeah, I like probiotics for plants. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So what's your vision for, you know, you've you've got these three lots now basically. Mm -hmm. Where where do you see yourself going with that? What what do you see yourself doing? Um, Firstly, for my own lifestyle. Yeah. Continue, yeah, like I've found a surprising difference in going down this path and growing my own vegetables, having the skills of being a chef and but that changing as well. And so now I don't really go to the supermarket, which I'm happy about. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of like trade someone for bread. One of my friends makes bread, which he's always happy to give away because he's got to, you know, throw the starter away every day. Yeah. Uh, all the excess. Or friends go fishing and I smoke it and pickle it for them. Um, oh, fantastic. And we do like a yeah. swap or yeah. I had to kill a couple of my chickens last week. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, for myself and my own lifestyle, uh, I'd like to continue that. So I'd like to keep growing my own vegetables and then sharing that. Um, 
and then that feeds into a small urban farm business where me and Megan plan on opening a local market stall. Great, yeah. And just sharing fermented foods um, and local things that we're into and yep. no-waste products and just building that kind of community um, focus on like our local lifestyles yeah. as well. Yep. So, you know, getting that on track, which is not too far away, a couple mm. of months and we'll be doing some of those things. And then it feeds into all the other stuff, man. So I'm still chefing and still doing Perth City Farm where I'm going back to Perth City Farm soon to start like a, a kitchen program that works with the garden that they've got there to try and start figuring out some better systems between those two areas because there's just such a disconnect between farmers and growing food and the pressures they have yeah, and chefs and the pressures that they have and... And the end of the line thing, and that's something I'm pretty passionate about and it gets to use my skills. Yeah, fantastic. Rather than getting back into a kitchen and taking on my own sort of, you know, restaurant or something. So you're going to be teaching people how to uh, take stuff out of the garden and how to utilise it, is Mm. that right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll probably, um, we're looking to start a program that will take on, you know, uh, probably some kind of students eight to 16 students that I'll teach each week over a couple of days, like some health benefits and some fermenting and, and while we're getting systems together about gardening and nursery and then processing and washing and putting that whole system together through to the end where we actually get it to the cafe at Perth City Farm. Oh, great. Or beyond, like yeah. once it starts moving. Yeah. Talking to local chefs, which I'm really interested in because there's not enough people focusing on there's not enough chefs focusing on bridging those gaps. Yeah. They're still yeah. just concerned with, uh, you know, it's not a, to blame anyone, but just profits or just consumption or just numbers through the tables or just how good the food tastes. Yeah. Rather than kind of like doing the most sustainable thing. or, But we have our own pressures as, as chefs. And then we've talked about like if the program does start, what I'd really like to do is start getting chefs in you know, a year down the track, a year and a half down the track and start talking to everyone about the differences we can make with like waste or if you've ever heard of a guy called Dan Barber, he did uh, the third plate book. No, I haven't. And he he talks about um, like changing cuisine, changing the way we eat to be better sustainable, right? Like crop rotations as food. Yeah. Yeah. not simply just local and seasonal, but like specifically local and seasonal, you know, all the leaves, broccoli leaves, beetroot leaves, like everything, not just all like the creme of the crop. Yeah. Or even when it comes to meat, like using all the meats and all the bones and all the things things we used to do, but we're not doing anymore. Kind of got lazy. That's right. Because we got, it's almost like we got too efficient. So we don't have to Mm. worry about that. I, I remember my, um, you know, my Orma, because I'm, I'm German, my Orma, um, she grew up in uh, Rotenburg in Germany. Um, and the city is, uh, or the, I guess the town is 800 years old or older than that. But she lived in a house that was 800 years old. And like she got passed down her to the traditions and she still tells me stories about, you know, going and p- picking the, the uh, fruit that dropped off the trees and, um, you know, making jam with them, going into the, into the woods and picking mushrooms mm. and knowing where certain spots are for certain herbs in, in the forest, you know. 
Yeah. It's like it's only it's only a generation, two generations ago that people knew that stuff and we've almost – most of us have forgotten that sort of stuff. Yeah. Something happened. Yeah. Something it's very drastic happened and then how quickly does it get severed and and then now people don't even know how to cook anymore. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then to get healthy food, um, even though they're passionate about it, they're going back to stores or back to businesses to get their healthy food from other people. Um, but it doesn't really work out that way. If you're talking about like gut health or fermentation and probiotics and those things, yeah, you're not going to be able to get it to those kind of levels that you really want through um, a product that's been shipped around Australia or no. from another place or even local products have to go through a certain filtration before they can get shelf stable. Yeah. So if you're looking for like a kefir product or something, I really don't see the point in buying a 250 mil bottle for $8 when you can just make it. It's it's pretty crazy. Same with kombucha, right? It's like... Mm. But it's that severing of knowledge. Yeah. And that misunderstanding and that pressure on people who are like, you know, who can't cook to try to do something or, you know, it's a lot of, it's a mix of a lot of different things. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. break of tradition that's leading to this this weird food culture that we've got. I'll, I'll have to show you this book um, that I was telling you about before, The New Wild Crafted Cuisine. Mm. Um, the subtitle, I believe, is... Um, uh, oh, I can't remember. It's something about the um, explore, exploring the gastronomy of the local terroir. So it's like let's use all the stuff around mm. and especially he, he goes into – it's not like even though he lives in California, he talks about how you can find the stuff in your local area. So it's not just specific to California. It's like look for the weedy species, the introduced species and use those first because – you're actually doing, um, you know, the environment a benefit by taking those out of the environment and, yeah. and using them for food, for fermenting. He does some insane stuff like collecting the little um, off eucalyptus trees, the, the little um, bugs, they like, like basically poo out a drop of, of resin, which is sugar. Mm-hmm. He calls it lerp sugar. And he goes around and collects this stuff off the bugs until he has like a couple of cups of it. Like, wow. <laughs> What's he doing with his day? <laughs> that's, that's What's what his breakfast does? look like? He's just out there all day. I would love to inter- interview him actually. Um, yeah, that's nuts. But the, the probiotic life, mm-hmm. um, I've sort of explained on another podcast what that means to me. What does that look like to you in terms of probiotic? Mm. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise of all of this, right? Like when I got out of the chefing industry as like my career, I didn't really think – I knew I was going to cook for myself. Yeah. But I didn't think I'd continue to cook the way that I am. I mean, you see that kitchen in there. It's yeah. like – it's almost a, a shoddy commercial kitchen again, you yep. know. I'm like slowly building back up. But definitely the farming was something that I saw or uh, some of the other things that I'm doing, like just working in industry just to get by. Yeah. But when I started growing vegetables – like really quickly I learned, oh, okay, I can't eat all the fresh produce. Everything pops up at once. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, you've got to move a lot at a certain time and then there's nothing. So how do you prolong that? And I found myself like pickling and preserving pretty much straight away. 
cool. And that's cool, but I was like, I was never going to be a pickle jam kind of guy. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> not, my, not my jive, right? Yeah. So um, somehow I got into fermenting really quick and then it kicked off and I was like, ah, oh, okay, right, I get this. And then um, I read a few different books. One was a Japanese guy. A friend gave me this Japanese doctor's book. Okay. Um, can't remember what it was. But it started making a lot of sense. And so this was a book about fermenting and um, about probiotics, about gut health. Really? Okay. Um, and it was a little bit older and yep. a little bit more interesting. I'll, if I can um, think of it later, I'll let you know. Yeah, that would be great. But it started to make sense about things. And I've got family that have intolerances. I had an onion intolerance through working in kitchens. Oh wow! And I kind of like these two things were coming around at the same time actually, and. And I kind of got set off on like the probiotics of the gut and things like that and and kind of fermenting and fermenting also tastes great, yeah. preserves yep. well and it's interesting. Like it just kind of like got under my skin. Yeah. And um, I started to see changes in my own health. Cool. Like kefir yep. and sauerkraut and kimchi mainly and then reading more and getting more into it and having the urban farm there to kind of support that bringing home beet leaves and stuff and like what can I do with these. That's great. And uh, so it was like a personal passion for a little bit there and then somehow um, I got into doing these chef talks with the Forever Project yeah. who work out of Perth City Farm Yeah. and a guy called Chris Ferreira and pretty much one of the first ones that I did, um, I took along some kefir just to like kind of talk to a few people about it and some kimchi so I needed a couple of things to talk about while I kind of got through my presentation yeah. and served people food and talked about my history as a chef and who I'd worked for and stuff. And I took this kefir and this kimchi and like the questions just kept coming back, like where can I get it, what is it, da-da-da-da. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And like it kind of this slow evolution came full circle and now I'm teaching people. Um, I've got a few shows coming up. In the next month, four That's shows. That's great, wow. And really all I do now is teach people about the basics of fermentation. Yeah. On the side, and I don't know everything about it. I know like little yep. about it, but, you know, some salt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> some starter and you're on your way. But yeah, it, it means a lot now. And then um, as a little bit of a reward, at one of these shows, I was kind of talking to people about how kefir can... Um, actually improve lactose intolerance. Yeah. Right? And I thought that I was on the right track and I know enough about it, but personal health for different people is difficult mm. because there could be lots of different problems. And a man that I knew asked for some kefir grains um, for his niece or his daughter, young girl, about eight years old, and he came back to me like a couple of months later like, oh, it's cured her intolerance. She can really? eat cheese oh, wow. and do milk and that feeling that that gave me and I was like, all right, I'm on the right track. That's fantastic. That's, yeah. that, uh, that must be so encouraging for you to hear that. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. And that weekend we did the garden show and um, I'd been thinking about this kefir ice cream recipe for ages just for myself. And I ended up doing it for the show and I fed like a thousand people probiotics that weekend. That's so you know? cool. <laughs> and that's better for me as a chef. That's, yeah, yeah. That was kind of the connection that I was looking for, you know, rather than being in these, these famous kitchens and looking around and seeing a lot of unhealthy people. Yeah. I was actually using my skills to affect people through probiotics 
and improve people's health. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. <laughs> that that's really exciting. Like, I'm excited about that because, um, you know, after I injured myself doing landscaping, then I was like, you know, I don't want to just work for money anymore. I want to do it for for you know a a greater cause for something that's um, you know actually helping people, you know, yeah. giving them better health. And that's why I got into, you know, doing composting workshops and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting to see that movement in kind of our generations, Yeah, which is good. It's not against anyone else, but I feel the same. Yeah. I'd rather do something that's going to help. Um, I have a kid as well that yeah. kind of changes things a little bit, you yeah. know, like you kind of get some of those like, ah, oh, it's not all about me anymore, yeah. right? There's no more traveling yeah. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> you're going to travel do a little bit differently there's yeah, a yeah. few of those things but i also had that that realization wow you know you got to do something um and especially when the environment's in such bad shape but it's all things that can be fixed yeah so when i started thinking about what i wanted to do and i was looking up some of the statistics you just rattled off before like 40 percent of food waste like from the industry, the overall industry and the overall cycles from kind of growing it to getting it to your plate, 40% of it's wasted. Yeah. Right? And then like the kilometres behind each vegetable is like... Oh, man. ...can be, I think, like 200 kilometres. It's something ridiculous. Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. something crazy. I think, I think it could be more like 2,000 kilometres, but um, on average, I don't know what it is. Um, so you got something interesting here that you just um, you're pouring. Yeah, it's almost time for a drink. So <laughs> very vicariously. Yeah, I'm spilling more, but you know, um, just with like fermenting and people are giving me products now, and there's a lot of stuff around that are. This is actually from Per City Farm, to be honest. Again, what is it? Uh, guava wine. Guava wine. Oh, those big guavas. They're yeah. like the. Oh, um, did I say guava? Maybe I meant fajoa. Oh, fajoa. Right? Like the smaller ones with the, the pink inside thing and all the pips. Or are they just strawberry guavas? They're like about that big. Yeah. Yeah, those, those strawberry guavas. Yeah. 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 And they're nice and sweet too, those Maybe ones. it wasn't Per City Farm. See, I get mixed up. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of vegetables coming my way now. Yeah, is, that's which awesome. Which is cool. Like yeah. the citrus in Perth. Just goes off. People oh, have got crap oh. everywhere. So yeah, I've know. seen some some lemon trees and some orange trees now, mm. and they just yeah, so much, awesome. But so I kind of got into wine because um, you get so much fruit that you need to start awesome. experimenting with it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. And people always told me that like uh, any kind of fruit wine and stuff is um, not really worth doing. Okay. And like I said before, this one's gone a little bit far, but it's pretty interesting and nice to kind of get into it and yeah. then, like, get it bubbling away. And It's still pretty mellow though. It's not like too harsh on like the – I've made some um, like apple cider-ish cider mm. that was like had way too many tannins in there. It just had like, you know, but this is nice and smooth. Uh, yeah, it is a little – can definitely taste the alcohol in yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Last week it was a little bit sweeter. Yeah. But it's cool to even play with that because you get so much extra fruit. You've done everything else. You've done enough jam. You've done enough preserves. You've done enough of this. And then now it's time to like play around. So I really kind of blitzed it all up, added a few different things. I was talking about like yeast nutrient and stuff yeah. before. Yep. And I read this kind of like – I go back to the old school stuff. And yep. I read this thing where you could just kill yeast 
and then you add that and the dead bodies of yeast, the other yeast that are active Whoa. feed off it and that's like your yeast nutrient. And I was like, perfect. So, so how do you kill them? You just like boil them or something, do you? Yeah, just boil up um, bread yeast. Oh, nice. Yeah, just make it too hot. Yeah. And then, then that's just your nutrient. And then rather than like buying some of the other kind of like um, ginger wine nutrients and stuff or stabilizers and things, I can't even remember most of the names. Yeah. It's like old school recipes where it's like raisins or sultanas or, yeah. you know, like one slice of lemon, like all this old grandma stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I and love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it all has its point. It was, yeah. It all has its reason. Yeah. So I get into it. And like you said, like we sort of have become removed from that. We're like, um, it's almost like this industrial revolution has automated stuff so much that it's everything's so easy to get to that all we have to do is go to the shop or even, you know, just open the fridge and we've got everything we need. Mm. And we don't even, we've separated like that connection of where our food comes from. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love about what you're doing is like actually growing food and then, you know, making stuff with it too. Mm. That's that's fantastic. And then taking it into the, you know, the next process of fermenting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to, um, the idea is to have a, market store mm. where you sell the stuff that you're sort of playing around with right now yeah to kind of support my own lifestyle yeah really and to support the urban farms and if it ever kicks off and it's like a big thing fantastic but really i just want to do enough with it that i have a comfortable healthy life yeah which great. would be good and a market store just seems like the best place to kind of like get to the community and to get to people. Yeah. I could open a small shop or restaurant or something, but it's just not the same kind of thing. That community feel, yeah. That's what I, why I love yeah. going to the markets is like that community feel of... Yeah, and yeah. it's getting bigger again. And like if where are you going to meet the people that are, are passionate about what we're talking about? It's probably maybe at your restaurant, maybe but probably at a market where they walk past and are like, because we're just going to do whatever we want. So yeah. at the moment, um, I'm really into reducing waste in industries. Yeah, that's I great. I work for a kombucha company, Community Brew, best kombucha in the world, right? Plug that. Awesome, yeah, do it. <laughs> but it is, and you know, they're fantastic guys. And we started taking some of these byproducts that you can't use in commercial um, kombucha but still good and I started playing around with them. So we've got like, I've got extra cinnamon on the stove at the moment that we want to turn into soap and shampoo. Great, uh, yeah. Kombucha vinegar shampoos and sort of like um, jasmine and oolong tea soaps and stuff like because nice. they're, they're steeped products. Yeah. And the best of it's been used but then what can you use the other stuff for, right? Yeah. Get creative yeah. about it. Yeah. That ginger wine is from some leftover concentrates and... Oh, fantastic. I make kombucha vinegar or like, you know, compost the scobies and yeah, and get into that kind of stuff yeah. as well. So that's all going to probably like head into the market stall. and That's cool. Yeah, because people like once you start getting going on the kombucha, you have so many scobies you don't know what to do with. Yeah. So, and all good stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. they try and tell you some, some crazy shit. Like have you seen scoby fruit roll-ups? No. <laughs> Man. <laughs> One of the lads did it. Oh, no. <laughs> not for me, hey. Like, oh, right. I, I'm all about reducing waste, but I'm not doing <laughs> scoby fruit rolls. <laughs> Actually, I, I, the, found, the best thing I found to do with scobies for me, because I'm, you know, so into my garden, is I'll stick them in my Thermomix, blend them up, um, and then, like, add that, like, gel to um, some water 
out of my aquaponic system um, and just water on all my plants. And you can see within a couple of days, the leaves of the plants just go like really shiny green. Mm. So there's obviously something, you Good know, they, they like that stuff. So Yeah, I'm just trying to set up the next soil thing because I'm just so keen on those experiments and stuff. So I've got extra scoby. Yeah. You know, and at the moment I'm just composting it, but something like that, just get like big like stick blender and just start yeah. blending it up and getting in there. So you got a pretty epic garden at home? Uh, well, no, we're, we're renting and we, um, we downsized from a, a, f- a four-bedroom, two-bathroom to a three-bedroom, two-bathroom. With, um, we live with um, my wife's brother mm-hmm. um, but in Mount Pleasant. So it's like like nice area but it's quite small. Yeah. So my mission at the moment is to grow as much in, I can in my aquaponic system, and then I have like all my fruit trees are in ninety liter pots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not much space at all. So I'm thinking about where can I grow some stuff. Mm. Um, you know, m- maybe asking some of the neighbors or whatever. Yeah, this is but where uh, urban farming comes up, yeah. man. So you know, like the traditional urban farming idea is that you trade some of the produce that you grow on their land um, and you get to take the rest to market and stuff. Yeah. Have you yeah. heard of Curtis Stone? Yes, I have. So yeah. that kind of concept, the Canadian Curtis Stone, not the chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Curtis no, Stone. I grew up in Vancouver, so I know. Ah. I know this dude. Yeah, right. So that's the kind of concept. So I took on that idea as well and in my friend's backyard now, um, we're just starting to build that urban farm, like traditional style where he's going to get vegetables and I get to grow the veg and, oh, and take it great. to market. So that, yeah. that can be business because it's yeah. not – it's a different lease. It's your own stuff. But if you're looking for space, they're the kind of ideas or like verge spaces. Yeah. Australia's yeah. crazy. There's so much land around. I know that like most councils really aren't into the verge thing but like once you start getting people started and – you know, you get one kind of like small little verge and then another person asks you a question. You've got two verges, you've got four, you've got too much space. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I um, – we visited uh, my parents in Vancouver um, in end of 2015 and I just saw the development because I moved back over here in um, 2007 and the development from 2007 till now or to 2015, see how, much, how far Vancouver has come – um, and I'm so inspired to like bring that here. This that's part of why I'm doing this podcast is, mm. um, you know, be international, like a global village of um, information, but also like let's get some of this stuff happening here in Perth as yeah. well. You know, the thing I like about it is as a business model, you can't have enough people doing it. Yeah, right? you know, like most business models are like, oh no, I don't want to share my idea. Yeah. Well, we need as many people doing this as possible. Yeah. Right, and then localizing just like. 30% of our food, like the herbs and like some of the other stuff, you know, yeah. like some lettuce leaves. So we ship in most of our lettuce leaves to Western Australia. Really? And, and think about how much that is. That's nuts. And then when you go, I haven't been to mining sites, but I've definitely been rural um, as a chef and working as a chef. There's lettuce leaf there. Yeah. Right? And it's always there. It's always around. And it just keeps getting shipped. All our mushrooms get shipped from um, South Australia. Really? And there's, okay. there's like one if one and a half um, local mushroom people here. Yeah. Think about how many mushrooms in cafes there are per day. Oh, and the thing is like Western Australia is a million square kilometres. It's not like we're, we're lacking space. Mm. 
just soil. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just soil. We have ancient soil. Um, for the listeners, can you give any sort of uh, tips or little, you know, whether it's a recipe or something that people can just start to do, get their hands dirty in either fermenting or something, you know, something mm. that you're doing? Yeah, something that I'm kind of developing with cooking is like if you are growing your own veg, if you've gotten that far, 30% of your veg, how do you fit cooking that into your day? Because that's the next step. Because we still have to work at the moment. We're still all doing a lot. So the way I go about cooking now is kind of like is a lot different than I used to. How can I get healthy fermented probiotic food into my diet as well as working three jobs and a farm and a this and a that yeah. and all of the other stuff? And kind of having a little bit of fermented food on hand, like a sauerkraut or a kimchi, just goes in nearly every meal. And awesome. then, you know, like the recipes are online. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, probably my biggest tip would be to get kefir on the go. Okay. Because then if you stuff it up, you've got kefir whey. Like when it splits, that whey is the perfect culture starter to anything. So you start pouring that into sauerkraut or kimchi. Oh, so that's like a lacto thing, is it? Lac- yeah. Lactobacillus. So it's a, yeah, it's a lactobacillus. You can still um, strain, they call it kefir cheese, but you can still strain that and eat that. Oh, cool, yeah. Or you can use it again with the milk or whatever, but you, if you have too much kefir, you can start fermenting with it without having to buy anything else. Yeah. And then I kind of like, I really just kind of like get a pot started at the start of the week you know, with whatever vegetables are in the garden and then whatever else is around and some chickpeas and stuff. And it evolves throughout the week. Cool. So maybe it starts out as like some kind of braised chickpea dish and then it's like soup and then it gets blended and it's like puree and I put some chicken in it and by the end of the week it just kind of like meanders through the week until it gets to the end of the week and it's on toast and Great. something else. Yeah. And all of those kind of things, you know, a little bit of kimchi dressing on it or a little bit of sauerkraut or... That's exciting. That's that's cool. That's you know where I'm heading. I haven't done sauerkraut yet, but um, it's one of my next things. Mm. Sauerkraut's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sucks that you've got to buy. Oh, we're talking about salt. It sucks that you've got to buy really good salt. Yeah. It makes a difference, especially like mineral mineralized salts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Try the seawater. Try um, and get seawater and filter it first. Yeah. And then boil it down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because yep. you'll have a little bit of a hard time trying to get it out once it's salt. True, yeah. Right. So p- filter it. Like you mean just like a uh, charcoal filter or just or just like a, um, I'd say like a, a co- coffee filter or something? Yeah. yeah, a coffee filter would be awesome. Yeah. Or like one of those oil filters. And do that with your sauerkraut. Yeah. Add some coriander, like seeds, crush up some something crazy. Yeah, if yeah. If you're German, like some fennel seeds or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's why I love sauerkraut because <laughs> yeah. I'm German. Yeah. Have a little bit of what they call Abendbrot, which is like um, uh, the afternoon meal. Uh, they usually traditionally have on like a, a wooden, sort of like a chopping board, but it's like a wooden serving board. Mm. And you have some uh, like rye bread, um, some um, gherkins or pickles. Yeah. Um, sauerkraut, some liverwurst, which is like yeah. liver pate. Liverwurst, like done right, is the best. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All yeah. that stuff. And then, you know, we're talking about that disconnect and different things. And like people go into the deli store now and they're like, oh, pate, oh, liverwurst. Yeah. And like that stuff is like rich in things that you need. 
Yeah. You need organs in your life. Yeah. You need to eat chicken hearts and you need to eat livers and kidneys and those things. We had a, we did this like farm to table at one of the cafes I work for very recently. And we did like a chicken one where this guy um, makes his own abattoir. Takes him three years to make the abattoir because of all the regulations in Western Australia and he yeah. kind of like talked to people about that. And then we kind of like took a few of his chicken products and made different things. And one of the things we made was chicken heart chorizo. Wow, okay. And it was amazing. And I was like, I hadn't eaten chicken hearts since I was like traveling. Yeah. And I was just smashing it, hey. Like yeah. <laughs> the rule is that you don't eat so much that people on tables don't get food, right? That's a that's a big chef rule. Yeah, yeah. If you if I catch you eating food that we don't have enough for service, then you're in the shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was smashing this cheese. So I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> I was just like, boom. <laughs> like my body was just like, you need this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And those are other things as well. Like I think people are quite lucky to have um, traditions in their family. Mm. Um, I'm a pretty Australian, pretty English person. We don't really have many um, traditions mm-hmm. as such or especially food traditions or cuisines but it's really important because for some reason people just had to stop thinking about it they didn't need to think about it anymore it was like they've got probiotics in here you know they've got everyone's got a fermented milk dish in their culture yeah so when i was giving people kefir there's a lot of older people who were like oh i've got this in my country i know what this is it all different kind of like lactobacillus ferments and stuff or even kind of like how you eat, right? Like people have snacks in the afternoon and like big lunches in maybe Italy and stuff and small dinners and yeah, and yeah. all of those things, if you kind of look at it, they help. Even, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I have a hunch that even eating a big meal during the day and then having an afternoon nap is kind of a much more natural way for a human being to kind of go about it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it, it feels was. good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. How does that not the right thing to do? You know when you yeah. just comb a nap? Yeah. But not from cheese and you know, <laughs> bread. I'm not going to say anything bad against bread. Yeah. Not from cheese but from a nice big healthy meal. Yeah. And even if you're talking about probiotics and stuff and like tradition and culture, all of those cured hams, all of those cured mm. meats, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff where people like killed something and they're like, fuck, what are we going to do with all this meat? Yeah. You know, we've, and then they started going down that road. But all of those things also have probiotics. They also have bacteria and enzymes. <laughs> they have all of that good stuff. Yeah. And um, something that I kind of talk about in these, uh, these chef talks is this idea of like when you eat your food, you also want to have the enzymes and the bacteria that break down that food. And okay. only on that food if it's natural, right? Yeah. So if you're getting a natural parma ham or prosciutto what's kind of growing on that as it's kind of like curing and fermenting is all of these little bacterias that are breaking it down yeah and you're getting both of those into your system right and yeah it's creating that gut flora and it's helping you kind of break down those did you know that your body doesn't really digest food the enzymes in your gut convert nutrients then your body can uptake it. Right, okay. So that's where that kind of gut flora thing comes from. Yeah, wow. So the problem that people are having is we've got quite 
we've got mediocre gut flora, especially in Australia, because yeah. we've got a lot of bleached and pasteurized and preserved foods in our diet. Yeah. So you don't have like rich gut flora. I got really lucky because I'm a chef. I'm eating a selection of things every day. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of got out of it. I got like I'm pretty healthy. But most people I knew picked up intolerances. Wow. That makes so much sense too. I was, I was listening um, to this talk um, from this lady, Robin uh, Chetkin. I think she is uh, a gastroenterologist. Mm, sounds like she goes up people's butts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Oh, I'm just enterologing you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, she did actually talk about that, doing stool samples. Mm. <laughs> but but um, uh, talking about like getting a diversity of foods and, you know, n- n- letting your kids, you know, play outside and have a dog and like getting all that like just mm-hmm. um, diversity of bacteria. And um, she was mentioning a study in I think Switzerland where – the kids in the towns where they had lots of farms and stuff and, you know, were outside all the time, they had uh, like a way lower case of like um, autoimmune diseases than than the kids in the city. Yeah. Just because they got all that different, you know, bacteria and stuff there. Yeah. But doesn't it start making sense when you start seeing it from this new perspective? So the perspective that we grew up with was kind of like this Western medicine perspective, this um, sanitation perspective this yeah. bacteria is bad perspective and yep even all the foods that we have and i think it was kind of somewhat designed you know probably not intentionally designed but somewhat got pushed in that way but it doesn't make any when you start reading all of this other information and if you treat your body as just a giant bacteria we're just like a host for bacteria right like i've got a stool fact if you want to know yeah some <laughs> shit facts <laughs> of your stool is dead bacteria, bacteria coming out of the system. Yeah, wow, okay. And the other 50% is your food. Yeah. Right? That's a lot of bacteria. That is heaps. I read it and I was like, that's that's so much. (laughs) (laughs) But then that kind of makes sense if you're cultivating gut flora at all times, if that's what you're thinking about in order to get um, a healthy diet. And it leads back to this thing where – so for an example, that kefir, when you're fermenting milk with those lactobacillus, whatever they are, yep. like a few of them, um, I think they're converting the milk sugars into something else. Mm. But what they're doing basically is eating milk. The byproduct is all of these little bacterias and things that they, they make. And those are the synergizing thing between the milk product and your gut. So you're ingesting both of them. Right, yeah. So they make it easier to digest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, you can't really digest without all of those guys. So if they're not in your gut already, well, how do you get them? Yeah. And if you've got a diet that's like um, definitely the breads and the cheeses, like the coon cheeses and all mm. these things that we call fermented products that aren't. Yeah. Well, they're the opposite. They're bleaching the system. Or they've actually got bad, bad bacterias or bad sets of bacterias that are building in your gut because you're giving them coon cheese all the time. Yeah. They're building in your gut. They've got something to feed on. Their byproducts are what cause your intolerance. Yeah, it's like tox- toxic byproducts, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah wow. I might have mentioned it before. I had um, an onion intolerance working in this, um, this Italian restaurant. 
Yeah. Because I was eating raw garlic every day. I had to taste all the pastas and meals and stuff. Oh, and, wow, and okay. the way that they were doing it was like, oh, it's traditional. It's got to be raw. Yeah. You know, so I was eating a lot of the raw garlic and I saw this intolerance come on. Wow, okay. And then I found that I had a reflux um, every time I was eating these meals or yeah. tasting these meals and I was yeah. like, God damn. Yeah. How am I going to – I still got to work here. Like what am I going to do about it? So I started yeah. reading – um, and all everything said, oh, you should just avoid onions, avoid garlic, um, you know, avoid these sets of foods. And over time, it'll come back. And I was like, well, that's that's not good enough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like that doesn't really. We're living in like 2016. I really don't think that that's. You know, there's been a man on the moon. Yeah. I can't eat onion. I think it's a little <laughs> bit retarded. Yeah. And I eventually found information after digging deep on the internet of kind of this idea of like, oh, okay, so what's happened is. You've had too much of one food, that bacteria buildup has has taken over some portion of the gut and it's feeding off that food. Wow, it's feeding okay, off all yeah. this raw garlic that you're putting down there. Yeah. These specific bacteria were giving off some kind of sodium product, some gassy sodium discharge. I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah, yeah. that was the reflux that was coming back. Oh wow. And that just made sense to me. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I can feel that. I know yeah, yeah. what that is. And yep. it only happens because I caught it and I watched it come on. It only happens when I have onion and garlic. And that kind of started that bacteria thing as well. That and and so what do you do about that? What do you, what do you have to do? Um, I started just balancing my gut flora. Yeah. Like, um, I stopped eating onion and, and garlic Yeah. to help. As yep. well, but I also started balancing gut flora and kefir and sauerkraut and kimchi yeah, yeah, and okay. changing my diet. And then once you start reading about it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I still eat um, crappy cheese, crappy bread and all that kind of stuff. But I also eat a lot more good stuff. Yep. Fermented foods and probiotics. Just getting that balance, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, at least helping as much as you can. Yeah. And I feel pretty positive about food as well, so... Because I grow my own food or like like my friend that brought me the fish was amazing. He brings me fish and he's like, you know, as long as you smoke and pickle it, I'll bring the fish. Yeah. And I ate that fish and I was peaking for a week. I just yeah. felt great. Like, yeah, yeah. But if you know where all your food comes from as well, I swear that helps in some way. Oh, totally, yeah. In like in yeah. helping with a healthy yeah. diet. I know, I know like they've done studies where if you, if you um, grow your own food and use that to cook with, it actually tastes better to you because you've grown it. Yeah, you know? which makes sense, yeah. right? And then surely, like, your brain is trying to uptake as much as it can. Yeah, oh, know? totally, yeah. I'm going to try this again. Yeah. Do you it's going to work? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I noticed that, like, I, I have a green smoothie every day, no matter what else I, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I am, like, Sometimes I'm just rushing and, you know, we get big bags of uh, spinach from the shop and I'll just put that in and berries. I mean, I always put in some sort of fermented. So either I've got some lactobacillus serum in my fridge um, or I'll put in kombucha or whatever I'm fermenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I swear when I go out to my aquaponic system, my bioponic system and get, you know, fresh um, Swiss chard, I just put that in, put a bit of um, aloe vera, put a little bit of um, whatever herbs I got growing. Mm-hmm. 
I just I feel way better after I have that, you know. Yeah. And I can tell the difference between when I've just put some store bought spinach in and when I put in stuff fresh from the garden. I don't even wash it. I want as many microbes as possible, you know. Yeah. Get the dirt in there. Yeah, that's mm, right. Yeah. It tastes great. Yeah. Yeah, that's one uh, I'm trying to like simplify health for people because it can get like really complicated when you're talking about it. Um, but what I'm talking to people about when I'm on the stage and doing the health talks and the fermenting talks is it's probably best for people to grow and eat like 30% of their own vegetables. Yeah. And everyone can do it. And one of the areas at Perth City Farm with this garden to kitchen project is uh, creating this sort of like home display area where like for me I'd like it to be there's an apartment block kind of like set up that you could get 30% of your vegetables from. We'll just show you some techniques or at home or if you're a rental. Yeah, Like awesome. if you've got your own house, fine, you know, yeah. it's up to you. But there is lots of people who have those restrictions. Yeah. But it's 30% because one, you start to understand food. You start to get it. You start to look at the cycles. You start to look at the weather. You start to see the effort that it takes for food. You start to understand that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you're not totally worried about am I getting vitamin B am I getting these micronutrients am I getting this like all of these supplement diets and stuff a lot of those micronutrients a lot of that health just comes from from food that's close to your home yeah it's from pretty yep. good soil or great soil you know and it kind of gets rid of all of that all those complications because when I started reading these health books it's like the list of things that your body needs these B12s that only come from this, or if you listen to Joe Rogan experience, yeah, yeah. you know, like <laughs> all of that stuff. Yeah, or, yep. And it starts getting overwhelming and, you know, some of the kombucha lads are really into their health and they're like on these deep nutrient-rich coconut diets and all of this kind of stuff makes it hard for a lot of people to access health. Yeah, it can get overwhelming, can't it? It's like, yeah. 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 Two words that you don't know and you're like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's why I kind of thinking about or trying to push this growing 30% of your own food. Yeah. And also helps you not go to the shop. Also helps um, not spending, Mm. you know. And it's only a little bit of time, right? Like you can definitely fail and it can suck, but then that's another aspect of it as well. It's great. Like just learning to keep going at something, just learning to suck at stuff, you know. And then when you get a tomato that works and you eat it, you're just like, oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you, and it's so good. It's yeah. so good when you grow and your And that's when you're doing that freak yep. show that runs around showing people their like fermented cabbage and stuff. <laughs> like that's, that's who I am. Yeah. I do it. I take it places. I, that's like, awesome. I swap one of my friend's um, sauerkraut for yoga classes. Like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's how I go. It's a tradable item now. Yep. It's that's cash. great. Yeah. Mm. I think we're going to finish up here, but if anyone wants to um, – Reach out to you. What's the best way to do that? Vaha Urban Farm. Vaha. Yeah, V-A-H-A. Okay. Is the project that we're running at the moment. Great. Um, or you can see me at Hilton Growers Green Market in about two months with our little stall. Awesome, yeah. Or you can come and see me at Per City Farm. Um, probably going to start working there a lot more. Yeah, cool. In the next coming months. So that's that's where I'll be keen to just grab anyone and talk to them about this kind of stuff. It'll yeah. be one of my roles. Yeah. Or I'm booting around doing a lot of like gardening and and chefing shows and stuff with these um, these fermented workshops, right? So I guess I'll just see people out there. That's great. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show and um, yeah, giving of your time. And I'd love to uh, continue this conversation and see your uh, see your yeah, farm. Come back, come back and see it. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. It's yeah, awesome. All right, and thanks guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Hey, I hope you guys got something out of today. Uh, let us know what you think. What did you like? What didn't you like? And yeah, give us some feedback. So uh, please subscribe and we'll keep this thing going and get some more great interviews going. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life. And any uh, last words of wisdom or anything that you want to leave people oh, with? No, I think I gave, I tap out. That was it. <laughs> That's like absolutely everything that I awesome. had. Awesome. <laughs>